You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Chris Sims, Pro Football Talk Live co-host, and of course, an analyst on Football Night in America. Chris joins us on the program. If Tom Brady was still the quarterback of the Patriots, what kind of offensive game plan would the Patriots have had last night? Ooh, um, I don't think it would have been, well, but... A little bit different. I don't think they're going to throw the ball three times. I think they're going to throw the ball more than that. You know, first off, of course, he's, you know, played more football. You can trust him in the situation a little bit more. And, you know, listen, one, one of the things that's amazing about the game is we know the elements were bad and one team won with three throws. To me, the other amazing thing about the game was a quarterback in Josh Allen where they just said, well, throw it 30 times. Who cares? It's hurricane wins. You could throw it through it. And he did. I mean, that's the amazing thing. And I think Brady would be somewhere along those lines. Not that New England would have to rely on the pass the way the Bills do, but I think Brady's arm, you know, how big his hands are. His arm is one of the more underrated things, I think, in the history of the NFL, where sometimes, yeah, I think he's a little overrated in his goatness. I don't think he gets enough credit for how powerful his arm is and how many great games he had in tough weather weather up in New England. So let's say he gets 15 to 20 throws last night instead of just three if he's in New England. When is the game plan finalized? When you know what the weather condition, when do you think Belichick or Josh McDaniels went, okay, this is what our philosophy is tonight? I, I think that they probably started to really take into account, you know, Wednesday or Thursday at some point to realize, Hey, let's, let's have a few extra runs in the game plan. Let's start to formulate a little bit. If the weather's so bad that they had at least a, uh, a, a de facto plan early in the week to go. We got to think about the game might be, you know, not manageable through the past game. So we got to think about ways to do that. And they're like, again, having worked there, I mean, there's just no stone unturned. It just, it's at, at any point, the details, the smallest details, the most basic details, they're, they're just constantly stressed day after day after day. And I would think early in the week, they were on this, that there would be a factor that they had to have at least some sort of a plan to attack that. I know we want to give Bill Belichick credit and he deserves a lot of credit as maybe yeah. the greatest coach in NFL history, but right. What role does Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, play in saying this is what I would like us to – if Belichick deals with the defense and lets yeah. Josh deal with the offense, should we be crediting Josh McDaniels, not Bill Belichick? Well, we should give Josh a lot of credit. There's no doubt. But I think ultimately it still goes back to, to Bill Belichick. This is why Belichick's the greatest coach ever. Not only is it about, yes, the defense, and we know all that, but – you know, these long staff meetings he has, you know, every day after practice where it's it's coach the coaches, all of them. Doesn't matter what side of the ball it is. It's coach the coaches time. We're going to go over it. And now I'm going to coach you on how to coach each one of these positions and what we should do in each situation. And, you know, and again, even in my time there, Dan, McDaniels is as smart as anybody I've been around. You know, just uh, Tuesday. You know, I could be there running around making copies for things. Belichick and McDaniels could be in the corner of the hallway talking. I'd come back an hour later. They're still in the corner of the hallway talking. <laughs> so I don't think anything happens there without Belichick. And and even with the great offense of McDaniels and everything, it's built through Bill Belichick to your point of why he's so great. You know, everything they do on offense, a lot of it is wait. 
when teams get in this formation and I'm in this defense, I don't like to see this. And then it's like McDaniel's going, okay, wait, Belichick doesn't like to see this. Let me draw up the play to do that then. And that's how really the offense has been formulated there in New England to even accentuate, you know, uh, Belichick's greatness. What would we be saying if the Patriots had the philosophy of three passes and they lost last night? Uh, we would have been going, I mean, <laughs> three passes. I mean, I understand being, I mean, they didn't blow them out, Chris. I know. I know. I think we'd all be going, I mean, at least let's get to eight or 10. Like, I mean, I think, and I, and I, and I mean, I, I think to what you're asking, I, listen, there was a point in the second half where I was going, I mean, come on, come on. Can we just give one play action or one boot here just to keep them a little honest, but he didn't want to take the chance. He didn't want to take the chance out of them being in second and seven and then third and four and their ability to maybe even run the ball. Of course they ran it a ton on third down. Uh, but yeah, I think we would probably be, you know, dissecting him a little bit in the fact that we'd like to see a few more passes more likely to miss the playoffs. The Bills or the Browns? I'm going to still go with the Browns on that one. You know, I'm hopeful for the Browns because there's so much talent on the team, but I'm hopeful only because of that. Like the defense is all over the place. You've heard me say, Dan, before, you know, when the run game isn't good, the pass game in Cleveland, just not good enough to stand alone. So that's an issue for me. Buffalo, you know, again, it's still Josh Allen. He's a superstar, definitely one of the best quarterbacks in the football. That defense is still very good. Uh, I, I, I still have more faith in them. Close one last night. Josh Allen's wearing longer spikes against the Tennessee Titans. They probably win that game when they're down there running the quarterback sneak and he slips late in the fourth quarter. You know, I, I, I think it's been more consistent in Buffalo throughout the year than Cleveland, that's for sure. And Buffalo's been losing to all the teams that they're going to have to compete with if they get I to know. the playoffs. I, like they, they don't have – like what's the signature win here? And I, I, no, I just don't get a good feeling. I didn't have a good feeling to start the year. I thought they relied on Josh Allen too much. Right, that's right. Um, but I no, and and I wonder if Cleveland would have been better if they had gone to Case Keenum, and instead of letting Baker Mayfield go out there uh, injured. Yeah, I, I get that. You know, I you know, hey, Baker does bring value. There's no doubt, and that's where the coaches got to figure out. Like, at what point is he hurting the offense? The, the you know, so that's a real thing. And it, it's again, the games haven't been good, but I also could sit there, Dan, and you know, look at it and go, yeah, Baker, the Detroit Lion game for sure, missed some throws on that one. But some of these other games as a late too, I want to just, I watch some plays and go, where do you want them to throw the ball? Yeah. Where the New England game, I mean, there's nobody open. Baltimore game, I didn't sit, come away watching that film going, oh man, people are open. Baker really messed up. Not at all. And that's where they're a little underwhelming. And your point about, I think Buffalo is spot on too. You know, if you're not, if you're staying the same, you're getting worse. It's like they kind of just went, wait, we were good last year. We'll do it all again this year. No, you need to improve your football team a little bit. And it is to Josh Allen reliant, uh, to your point. And I think the other thing, too, is what we've seen, like especially in the Tennessee, the Colts, and the Patriots losses, when there's an overpowering, big offensive line running football team, they're a little compromised. They're not a big front seven team. They want to play basically nickel all game long. And, 
you know, again, if they can get you to overplay the run the way they did in all those games, if you can just pass a little, you can expose them. And, of course, last night they didn't even have to pass to, to still have their way. He's Chris Sims, Pro Football Talk Live co-host, the show that precedes ours on Peacock with Mike Florio. If I said you can have the Chiefs or the Patriots the rest of the year? Chiefs. I mean, no, sorry. Patriots. Oh. Patriots. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm not taking the Chiefs yet. I can't do that yet. No. You know, again, I like what the Chiefs de- uh, defense is doing. You know, I know the Patriots is not sexy, but neither was 2001 Super Bowl run. I mean, just get used to 20 to 17, 23 to 14. Uh, I just think that's the style of play they are. But they're too consistent on both sides of the ball. You know, again, the other night with the Chiefs offense, they just can't seem to be consistent or get out of their own way, whether it's drop passes. Mahomes still missing throws where I'd go, man, the average NFL quarterback should make that throw, let alone Patrick Mahomes all these years. I see him do it with his eyes closed. You know, so it's just a, it's a crazy year from that standpoint of I haven't seen a guy that was so amazing, you know, kind of come back to earth and just not be that amazing in a, in a lot of moments during during the year. We're running out of MVP candidates. Feels like it's Tom Brady. Yeah. Then there's a big separation. I guess Aaron Rodgers. I guess Mahomes is in there. I can't put Josh Allen in there. No, you can't. I don't think you can put Mahomes in there either. Well, you know, you can't. I don't think you can. We all want to. The touchdowns are going to be there. Jonathan but Taylor. I mean, right. I mean, hey, that's one guy I'll look at for sure. I think that could be in this conversation. Maybe if TJ Watt gets on fire here the last few weeks and gets the 22 sacks somewhere in that range. But again, I don't know yeah, if it's going to matter if they don't get the to, playoffs. They give it to yeah. the defensive player of the year. I mean, that's, that's I know. how they, I know. they separate that. But it, it feels like... Brady is just being Brady, maybe nothing special, but that might right. be good enough because everybody else has been inconsistent. No, no doubt. I think, you know, really Kyler Murray being out for a month is it's going to cost him the MVP because I think there's a good chance they do end up with the, the top seed in the NFC playoffs and he'd be that guy. Like they jumped on the scene this year. He's the quarterback. Yeah. We know how dangerous he was. So his injury affected that. I would, I'm with you in the fact that, yeah, it's probably Brady from the facts of w- wins and stats, you know, uh, but uh, I guess what I would say a little bit is the name you brought up to me, Aaron Rodgers right now, again, as annoying as he was during the COVID thing, he, you know, is just a poster child for MVP. We see how average they are without him when he wasn't in there. You know, he's special. Again, I don't think any of us think that the supporting cast is that great. It's good, no doubt, but not great. Uh, and and to me, he's just a big, what he does to the line of scrimmage, having a feel for the overall game. You know, I, I would look at him and Brady and probably Jonathan Taylor as the three guys right no, now. I think it's going to hurt Rodgers with what happened uh, yes, I do too. You're right. Yeah, I yeah. And, and it should because you know you're going to be the most valuable player, but then you miss the Kansas City game, and or maybe cost your team the yes. number one seed. Yes, right. I, I agree. That's going to come back to bite them in the butt, most likely. But yeah, the way the Brady is throwing the ball, their offense just continues to attack. It seems like it, again they're going to get the wins, and he's going to have the numbers to match it. It seems like it's lining up for that. What's your opinion on the uh, pseudo slide by Kenny Pickett, the uh, Pittsburgh quarterback oh. in the ACC title game? Oh, oh. it makes me want to puke. I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of all this protecting the quarterback crap. I mean, that's like cheating right there. It's cheating. 
It really is. I, I, you know, again, I'm not mad at him. He's don't hate the player, hate the game. I understand that. But to me, this is again, this is another just little snippet of information that we have. Protecting the quarterback has gone just overboard, overboard. The, some of the horrible calls in the NFL, the horrible call last night, Josh Allen is running. He jumps in bounds and gets hit and they call hitting the quarterback too hard again. Uh, I, I didn't like it. I really don't. And uh, I think that football has got to do something about it. Wait, do you think quarterbacks are embarrassed by the protection they receive? Like, I think they know how embarrassing it is, but they're going to try to do all they can to take advantage of it. I think they know. I mean, it's, I, you know, I think Brady and Rogers and Josh Allen, like they're tough football minded guys, not just quarterbacks. But I think they also, they, they realize, yeah, I mean, that's bad football's getting rewarded. Hey, we didn't protect. Nobody was open, but you hit me too hard. It's great. First down fantasy owners. We're still going. <laughs> Offense is good. I think they know how embarrassing it is, but they're going to do their best to get a free 15 all they can. And I can't be mad at them for that. Brady would not still be playing if this was the 1970s. No way. Or the eighties yeah, you know, again. Yeah. He, right. He would not, I mean, you know, I, I, I I would have a hard time thinking so. I mean, just watching, you know, my dad, Dan Marino, John Elway, uh, Troy Aikman. I mean, the beating they took. I mean, you know, the dead weight rule. I mean, Reggie White literally used to pick my dad up and just drop <laughs> his weight on him and body slam him. And, you know, my dad's shoulders are still paying the price for that. I mean, he, he would have a little more cartilage, might be able to throw the ball overhand to his grandkids, but he can't do wow. that anymore. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's an issue there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> does, Tampa, does Tampa have any issues that concern you heading into the home stretch? A little bit. I, a little. They do. You know, they hasn't been clean the last two weeks. I mean, they were begging for the Colts to beat them. The Colts outplayed them. You know, again, last week, Atlanta hung around had some long drives defensively, not playing that good right now. It's one of the first films I'm going to go watch here, Dan, when I get done, just because, Hey, Matt Ryan and company had a little success running the football, but man, you know, they're letting up a lot of plays in the past game. They are. And I know they're just getting healthy in the secondary, but you know, not playing at the elite level that I think they're capable of. That's for sure. You know, they're winning games. I know that, but I don't think it's their best football. Great to talk to you, buddy. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, man. Be good. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. We've got a controversy going on. It's a continuation of a controversy yesterday, late in the show, where we found out from Carson Palmer, he got the case that is supposed to have the Heisman Trophy in it for his induction into the College Football Hall of Fame last night in Las Vegas. But the key to opening this very secure case was not there with it. I don't know if the Heisman is in there. I'm hoping it is, but we can't find the key. The key has been lost. And I don't know if this is some sort of bait and switch, Indiana Jones, where somebody might have put a 40-pound sack of sand in there and maybe they have the Heisman Trophy on their mantle. I don't know. I just know I went in the back, in the backroom guys, as quoting one of the backroom guys, I will blow the damn lid off this if I get immunity. 
You can grant that. I can grant wow. I can grant immunity. All I know is Dylan in the back is pointing a finger at Mario and says, I will blow I will blow this out of the water if I'm granted immunity. And I am going to grant Dylan immunity here. <laughs> Might have to put him on the air here. But like the uh, Sammy the Bull of the back back room. I well, it didn't take long before they started to turn on one another. Henry Hill, like Henry Hill. Yes, <laughs> yes. But it was there was some finger pointing as I walked back, and the big German is just there listening. And uh, I went, oh wow. And then that's when I got the bombshell. You give me immunity, and I'll blow this damn thing out of the water. Yes, Todd. So Mario already has that ill-advised basketball shot that will never let him live down. Now we're going to put this on top of him, too, as to what this whole uh, Carson Palmer Heisman situation is? Well. That's a lot to handle. Feels like you're shifting blame there. I do like the fact that it's been narrowed down to just Dylan and Mario as the culprits. Okay. It makes me feel but, a little But better. you were the overseer. I guess I was the delegator. If the delegator slash overseer. Hey, Sean Payton got suspended for a year. That's true. That's very true. Okay. And look, I will take it upon myself that I let you be involved in it. Therefore, I let Dylan and Mario. So it is on me. Yes, it is a Dan Patrick show situation. I, I do take full responsibility. I chose the wrong people to trust. You did. Yes, I did. <laughs> that was poor job by you. Yes, he did. You thought we could handle that. I just, while we're firing off blame everywhere, I just do want to say that it was you who put it in the box, correct? No. Oh, I, I thought that was the uh, the update from yesterday. You were the no, one who actually placed the Heisman watched, in the crate. I watched it close. Mm, I didn't put it supervised. in. I don't pick up something that heavy. I mean, I, I lift this show every day, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not, I, I have people who carry around my trophies. Mm. I watched said Heisman be put into the uh, suitcase. Mm. I did not. Yes. yes Permission no. to badger the witness. So you did have the opportunity to say, how exactly are you planning on putting the key in with this to mail it out so that everything runs smoothly on their end when they get no, it? No, because I didn't know how said key arrived with said Heisman to begin with, Todd. But why should it matter how it came if you think there's a certain specific way that it should go back? Why it matter I, how it was delivered. Okay, why would I think somebody shipping it out is going to slap a key on an envelope on a suitcase and it's got the Heisman in there. You just said moments ago you should have known better as to who to delegate this responsibility to. So that basically means you knew that there would be some incompetence involved. All the more reason why you should say, here's exactly how I'd like you to send the key out, because I don't trust you guys to send it back the right way. This is why I delegate, <laughs> Todd, so people can have some kind of responsibility in their life. But now you know you shouldn't life. do that. That's poor yeah. delegation. You we went from being it. an executive producer on here. To a lowly self, booker in the back corner. A self-titled executive producer <laughs> and then you go i'm just a booker actually i've said senior vice president of talent slash executive producer but uh, now in this situation i'm just a booker i get the guess i don't know what happened with the key i the will box. give dylan immunity and i will talk to him during the commercial break and i will get to the bottom of this bombshell but really we got to find the key that's it no matter what, no matter who's to blame, we got to find the damn key for the Heisman. Um, Carson Palmer was inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame last night in Las Vegas. And he wanted to have his Heisman on display. Who wouldn't want to have their Heisman with him when they're in Vegas? Right, Fritzy? Who wouldn't want to bring valid that? point. You, should, you have to have at least that. You're like, the Heisman Trophy winner. Like, Romo's there, and you got that over Romo. Yes. Like, I mean, all you got to, Tony Romo got inducted, too. Carson Palmer brings out the suitcase, and it's like ball game. That's like scoreboard. 
Tony Romo doesn't have that. He and Romo brought the same number of Heismans to the ceremony wow. last night. Oh, wow. wow. Just <laughs> too soon. Dang. Too soon. I somehow gave Carson Palmer the Heisman. <laughs> I did. Because he couldn't open it up. So he has his Heisman suitcase, and we don't have the key for the Heisman. But we did say, I hope it works out. You know, good luck to you. I did put out that email. It's you not did. like we're completely insensitive to the situation. Hopefully like, one day you'll be able to figure out how to open the case without destroying it. But didn't it. they send an email saying, hey, no luck, we haven't found the key. And then didn't you follow up with an insensitive, like, it wasn't hey, meant to be insensitive. have a good weekend, guys. Yeah, maybe about 12 minutes later I said, any luck opening that, even though they just <laughs> said that we can't? What are you going to do? Well, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I feel terrible because, you know, I got Carson Palmer gave us his Heisman, loaned it to us. And, and we've lost it. And that's that's a bummer. Do we really believe there's a chance when that case opens? I don't know if we need Geraldo Rivera to show up, that there's something other than the Heisman Trophy in that case right now? I don't know if you would take the key out of the envelope if you weren't going to look inside the package, inside the suitcase. And steal the Heisman Trophy altogether and put sand in there instead. Why are, why are you laughing about this, Tom? I'm just, just the thought of them opening the case and breaking this thing open, and it's something other than the Heisman Trophy. It's not funny, but it's... That's just wild that that could possibly even be something that could be existing there. Yes. It's like, is this like Geraldo when he finally opens up yeah. that tomb and yeah. there's yeah, nothing in there? <laughs> Al Capone's uh, vault there. By the way, segue, the Heisman finalists were announced. Aiden Hutchinson, Kenny Pickett, C.J. Stroud, and Bryce Young. Yes, Tom. Bryce Young, the expected winner, is already on record of saying there's no chance <laughs> that that's coming to the Milford Dan Patrick. He's Studios. not going to loan it to He's us. He's not going to happen. Yes, Paul. Three of those young men will not have a Heisman, <laughs> just like Carson Palmer. Uh, you know, it'd be a better conversation piece if you just put the briefcase on the mantle and people wanted to know what was in there. And you just say, oh, the Heisman. Heisman is in there. That's, that's all you need. Yes, yes, yes. Paul just answered the phone, which yeah. he never does mid-show. I know. He's usually very annoyed at people who call, yeah, call him during him. the show, but this this must be very important. Yeah. All right. Yes, McLovin. We didn't give you the hour two poll. Is uh, actually from mostly from okay. Twitter. Who's to blame? Uh, our choices are Todd, Dylan in the back, Mario in the back, you, Carson Palmer, cool. the Heisman people. The College Football Hall of Fame, and we have a write-in for Mark Emmert, the NCAA <laughs> oh. president. Emmert. Uh, how about the shipping company? Yes. We won't name which yeah, shipping we, company. Yeah. The, the shipping company. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Paulie, you answered the phone. It was an area code that was the same area code as the College Football Hall of Fame. I picked it up, and there was no answer. <laughs> I'm not making that up. It was the same area code. Uh-oh. I think they're preparing a statement. Oh, my God. This is this is horrible. I and I had people yesterday saying, "Hey, good bit with the Carson Palmer Heisman thing." I said, "It's not a bit. There, there, there is no key. Our truth is always better than our fiction." Yes, yeah, we're not good at fiction. <laughs> our truth is is great. It's, it's entertaining. Yes, McLevin. What if you pitch a screenplay and you told the story? The first thing would be like, "Wait, why did Carson Palmer send his Heisman to you I guys?" I know. I know. I know. We're not going to get anything anymore. We don't win awards. We ask people to send their awards. <laughs> like Darius Rucker's Grammy from Hooting the Blowfish. 
But he did get that back. I had to send that back when the Grammys, they saw it on my desk and like, what? Get that back. So we're one for two. Harold Reynolds got his gold glove back. So I'm two for three right now. But that one, though, we were like, eh, we'll just send this one back. I, I'm Mac Jones. <laughs> I'm, I'm two for three last night. That's one incompletion. Bad. Yes. That's okay. that, it's a big incompletion. A big, <laughs> like a red zone incompletion. I've lost the key. We've lost the key. More like a pick six on this one. Yes, it is. Somebody picked it off. Damn. And you're going to make jokes. Hey, you know, hey, joke boy. I was just thinking that Harold Reynolds thing shouldn't even count. That you could get like at a garage sale <laughs> in your neighborhood. It's a gold glove. Spray painting whatever cardboard thing that was. That's, that's offensive to all gold glove award winners. I Might as well make a lot of errors if that's what you're going to get. I, I agree. Todd, I'm with you. The ball go through your legs. I don't need that. Ugh. Just, you know what? I'm, I'm a bronze. I'm a silver. It's, it's the most disappointing award I've ever seen, ever no held. No offense. If, if you would have said, hey, look what my kid did, I'd go, oh, that's cute. That's nice, you know? Timmy, what is he, nine? Yeah, yeah. You got some Rust-Oleum. Put all he... this macaroni into another cigar box. Here you go. Merry Christmas, Dad. It's <laughs> the exact same vibe. The gold glove was real. They, they spray-painted two baseballs. And it, it looked like it would be a Little League trophy of sorts. And then they just put a glove and spray-painted that as well. And they went, hey, gold glove. And that's it. Yes, Todd. My son's participation trophy, and I think it would, age seven, would rival putting it next to that gold glove. You'd probably take my kid's trophy over that glove. Yeah, that was really disappointing. Like, the Heisman's heavier than what you think. I shouldn't be bringing up the Heisman again. I got to distance myself from that. Yes, McLovin. Yeah, Todd's trying to change the subject here yes, by he ripping is. the gold glove. Oh, I know. Um, all right, so I'm going to grant immunity from Dylan, who works in the back. He was part of the shipping team, I'm told. The brain trust. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as Mario said, are you going to trust a guy who looks like he's homeless? And then Dylan then said, you look like a, uh, a failed gym teacher. So <laughs> Character assassination. Yeah. When you don't have facts on your side, you make fun of the witness. Yeah. You look like a failed gym teacher is pretty, pretty good. That's though. pretty good. Pretty just pretty, as a line, not necessarily directed at Mario, but that's a pretty good line. But the fact that it is directed at Mario makes it even makes better. it a little I better. Think. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh man. Anywho, Tom in Ohio. Hi, Tom. What's on your mind today? Hi, Dan. Hey, Tom. How you doing? Oh well, not great. Not great today. I I. You know, I'm getting a good laugh out of it and everything, uh, just like everybody else is. But um, if that case gets opened up and that Heisman is missing, I think the levity will end. Oh, yeah. Um, somebody's yeah. going to want that Heisman back or, I mean, Carson's a laid-back guy and he's happy-go-lucky, but and it was in his garage, and I understand all that. But that's his Heisman Trophy, Dan. I know, Tom. I'm I've, I'm bummed out. I'm I'm being serious. I'm bummed out. What? Todd? What if someone calls the College Football Hall of Famer? That's what it was. I've got the Heisman Trophy. I million dollars. Then what happens? They're holding it for ransom with one of those, you know, electronic voices, and you can't trace who it is. 
Paulie, would you check eBay just to see if somebody's got a Heisman up there? Yeah, Seaton. I did yesterday, actually. <laughs> I did check eBay yesterday. There's a lot of replicas. I wasn't able to come across a uh, Carson Palmer. Damn. I just feel bad. I mean, he's inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, and he said, hey, I need the Heisman. They want to display it. We, you know, boxed it up, sent it out. Got the uh, box that it's in. Can't open it. No key. Yeah, Paul. This isn't the wildest way a USC athlete has lost a Heisman Trophy, but it's one of many. Now, OJ, we had nothing to do with. OJ, we had nothing to do with him. Reggie Bush, we had nothing to do with. That's not true. Well, you did. Yes, we had a little something to do with Reggie Bush's Heisman being found and sent back. Yeah. Yeah, Paulie was on a mission. Well, I got some tips. Yes, you did. It's like the Heisman committee didn't know where the Heisman was. And Paulie goes, I'll find it. Well, yeah, they wanted it back and they, it wasn't sent back. Okay, find the key then. Yes, Todd. You can get a Carson Palmer or pretty much any Heisman mini holiday ornament for fourteen ninety nine as a consolation. If for some reason it's a thing of sand that it's not in there, would he accept that $15 ornament as an alternative? There has to be a master key. For these Heisman boxes. Is it shaped like the Heisman guy in a little head? <laughs> that might be the giveaway. But somebody open up the envelope. We have a picture of the envelope that was opened up. Yes, Paul. I'm told by one of my sources that when they went to the shipping facility, the person at the shipping facility did some extra taping to make sure it was more secure, the envelope. Okay. So when it, when it left our shores or our area... It was more secure than when we handed it off to the shipping people. More secure than the person felt. That was what I heard from the back room. Yeah, but I don't know what to believe in the back room. Of course. There is, there is chaos back there right now. Roger in Indiana. Hi, Roger. What's on your mind? I have the key. I had to pull over. I was laughing so hard. You can't, you can't tell me there's not a locksmith in Las Vegas to get into that thing. I all I know is what I'm told through Paulie from Carson Palmer's people in the College Football Hall of Fame. That's all I know. Because I said to Carson, is there a master key? But he couldn't open okay. All I know is he couldn't open up and display his Heisman last night at the College Football Hall of Fame. That's all I know. All right, I gotta go in the back. I gotta see if I'm gonna grant Dylan immunity, and then we'll find out if Mario is the person to blame. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? along with my fellow pro bowler, T.J. Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up on game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up on Game with me, LeVar Arrington, T.J. Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Oh, all right, I went in the back during the commercial break. Mario is back there. Dylan is back there. And they're pointing fingers at one another about who is the one to blame for the uh, missing key for Carson Palmer's Heisman case. 
Uh, can you guys have Dylan come out? He can sit in McLovin's chair and uh, all. I gave him immunity. Um, but Dylan's going to come out. I granted him immunity. Mario wants immunity as well, but Mario is supposed to be the one who was heading this up. So Dylan is uh, the one who, I guess, is responsible for shipping out the Heisman case and a key attached to it. Yes, Paul. Dan, before you get to the interview, for radio people, how would you describe what Dylan looks like? What was the, the defensive coordinator who went to work for the uh, uh, Lions from the Patriots? Matt Patricia? Oh, yeah. He looks like if Matt Patricia was more down on his luck. <laughs> <laughs> I have gotten that before. Okay. <laughs> A this, few more vices, perhaps. This isn't the first time that Dylan has been granted immunity in his life, but um, you, uh, you have the opportunity here. You have a statement to make. I do. Um, first of all, I want on the record I'm not a rat. Never been a rat. <laughs> but um, I would like to clear my name. Okay. So, Mario, it's Mario's fault, really. Okay. At the end of the day. Okay. I was instructed by Mario, which I should have ignored, to be honest, but he said it's in an envelope taped to the outside of the case. Okay. So, I go to FedEx. So, it was already taped? No, it was not. It had been when it got here, so... I, Were this, you instructed to tape the key to the side of the Heisman? Yes. Okay. By? Mario. Okay. Who is your boss? Um, no, but... He's a, and I definitely shouldn't listen to him. Okay. Um, so I take it to FedEx. Okay. First, I put it in a white envelope, the one that we've seen in the uh, photograph. The one that was opened? The one that was opened. It was not open at the time. It was okay. sealed. Okay. And then at FedEx... I, it was put into a plastic sleeve, which was then stuck onto the case. So a second layer of protection. By the shipping company? Yes. And I was not told to do otherwise by the professionals at said shipping company. Okay. Thereby clearing me of any guilt. Sort of. Did you at any point think this seems maybe a little haphazard? I'm going to be honest, Dan, I didn't, which okay. is probably worse. Okay. Right. But it looked pretty legit to me at the time. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll go back in the, in the back. Okay. I hope show. that's enough to you know, make immunity worthwhile. Nobody's going to be fired. I'm not going to fire anybody. That's too bad. Yeah, that kind of kills the bit. <laughs> kind of ruins the bit. Yeah, see. You know, I don't want to make a, uh, oh, a serious situation more, more serious, serious. <laughs> but, but the <laughs> second layer of envelope that was there, the plastic one that was then the, 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 the paper one was put inside of another one that was then taped to the side of it, yeah. really, really, really makes it sound like somebody deliberately opened it and makes me much more concerned that the Heisman Trophy is actually inside the box. Wait, you think the Heisman is in there? Mm, it makes me wonder if even more is. if it's actually in there. If if that means somebody to to for for the paper to have been ripped the way that it was, it would have had to gone through the plastic one and then the paper one, and then somehow the key fell out of both of those. Oh, That's two layers. Oh man, that well, no, makes me I, very nervous. I believe somebody opened it up. But I don't know if, you know, there were any markings on the box, uh, if it looked like they tried to open it up. You know, we, we don't know. Because did Carson Palmer mention the Heisman last night 
when he was there for the uh, Hall of Fame induction? Yes. He, we have this brief piece of audio. Okay. Who's in the box? That's it. That's all that, we have. That's it. <laughs> yeah, the actual audio. No, no, that's the, that's the movie seven, oh, isn't it? That's not true. No. No, that's actual audio, Carson. Who's isn't in the box? Isn't that Brad Pitt? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, McLovin. So, you know, I was a paralegal. Uh, I have some legal expertise. (laughs) I heard Dylan talking and immediately I could tell he had been lawyered up. Like he knew he was like here to therefore like he was a little too fancy. I don't know if you trust him. Okay. Yes. He He also said Mario told me to do it and I did, which is mm, not good enough for me. That's he said. He said. He's like, well, he told me to. It's like, well, yeah, you're supposed to know better, though. Although Dylan did admit to not knowing better. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. So. He, he but, wears socks when it's eight degrees out. I mean, he wears no socks. And he wears slip-ons when it's eight degrees out. Come on. Yeah, but I can't ding him for that. I mean, there's other things. I mean, you do get the sense, though, that if anybody here could break into that box, it's Dylan. Yes. And like, who needs the key? I'll just bust into it myself. God, I feel so bad if somebody has stolen that Heisman. But why take out the key if you didn't use the key? Like, I don't, that's what I don't know here. And also, why stick the envelope back on there ripped off? Like, if if it was ripped open, and then what, they tape it back on? That doesn't make a lot of sense either. Like, just throw the thing away. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern, or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com. Or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Kirk Herbstreet, ESPN College Football Analyst. Herbie, how is your day? I'm good, man. How you doing? Well, I've had better days. Uh, had a bad day yesterday, and it's continued today. We've lost the key to Carson Palmer's Heisman. Uh, you know, the container. We sent the box back to him. He loaned us his Heisman for about a year and then we sent it back and he wanted it for the college football hall of fame induction and he has the case he doesn't have the key to open it up oh my gosh i know what are you gonna do you can't you can't uh is it too late to get it to him do you know because you guys do the, the uh heisman show and do you know if there is one key that fits all heisman suitcases well, you know, there's only one person that you can ask that to, and that's the commissioner of college athletics. That's Chris Fowler. So I, he, I have no idea at mm. all uh, how that works. Chris is intimately involved in the Heisman. Paulie, I'm, I'm just merely a pawn. Paulie, can you check with Fowler or Fritzy and just see, is, yeah. is there a key that will open that up so I can get this to cars? I don't want him to break open that suitcase with the Heisman there, but that's <laughs> that. That's my problem. You're working the Heisman show, aren't you? No, oh. no. It, the last year, it's it's um it's a honestly a blessing because we do Army Navy um, that same day, and all these years we would do Army Navy with College Game Day, whether we're in Baltimore, Philly, or in this case, in uh, in New Jersey at MetLife, and then we would leave. We go back, and you know you love to do the Heisman, but Lee and I, you know, we're in the back of the room, ask a couple questions, and it's really Fowler and, and the four or five finalists. It's really their show. Well, we uh, last year got off of it, and we got to stay – or two years ago, we got to stay for Army-Navy. And um, first time, all these years of doing game day in the morning, never got to stay. And it's such a cool scene. 
And um, so, no, this year I'll be I'll be there again watching uh, Army and Navy fired up. The uh, Home Depot show, uh, College Game Day, Army Navy will be at MetLife Stadium. Uh, they'll be there this Saturday, 9 a.m. until noon Eastern. I tell people if you get any opportunity to go to an Army game, I haven't I haven't been to a Navy game at Navy, but I've been to West Point quite a few times. And uh, I've been to the Army-Navy game as well. There's just something magical about it. Um, you know, when, it when, whenever you start to feel bad about who we are or what's going on in our country, yeah. just just go and you see, you know, there's so many we positive things. <laughs> we still got a shot here when you go to an Army-Navy game. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. You're, you're reminded of like, oh my gosh, this is incredible, you know, to see these guys and girls, what they're doing. It's it's impressive. I brought this up earlier in the show, and I don't know if it happens anytime soon, but I, I wonder with name, image, and likeness, like Kenny Pickett at Pitt, what if he said to the Peach Bowl, hey, I don't, you know, you pay me $50,000, I'll play in the game. If not, I'm going to get ready for the draft that it's it's not a meaningful game and maybe the fact that we're going to expand the playoffs here soon but you know Christian McCaffrey did it what 6 years ago Leonard Fournette people freaked out you know Kayvon Thibodeau is going to sit out and nobody's going to care about that I just wonder if does it benefit Kenny Pickett to play in this Peach Bowl game um it just depends on how you're wired i I, i'm not going to try to say these guys should or should not play i am from a different generation you know like you um i i try to do the best i can you know i have four boys that are all 21 and and younger i mean i I get this generation it's not like i have my head in the sand but i don't have to agree with it um Kenny Pickett and Pitt are in uncharted waters i mean you, you say the peach bowl like we're saying the blue bonnet bowl uh that's a huge game for that school and for Kenny Pickett, who is the leader of that team. I haven't heard him speak. I have no idea what his intentions are, but to me, there's something about putting on a uniform one last time with your boys and going out and competing that outweighs, this is just me, um, that would outweigh, you just played 12 games, some some cases 13 games, um, and now you're going to say, I'm not going to play in this last game to get ready for the draft. If that's how you feel, then, then more power to you. But um, I, I think you have to look at it at a, at a kind of a case-by-case basis. The fact that Mario Cristobal left Oregon, he's the head coach of Miami, uh, Thibodeau decides that he's going to forego. It's not really a shocker there. Yeah. Um, but I, I would be really surprised if Kenny Pickett doesn't play in that bowl game for Pitt with the year that they've had. What did you make of his fake slide? Um, I, I, if, if I'm a defensive coach, I, I, I'm going to, I'm just going to start laying quarterbacks out and deal with the consequences because he, he clearly started to go into slide mode, give him credit for his instincts. You know, he's not really known for his feet and his athletic ability out in the open field. He's, he's, he's known for what he can do in the pocket, throwing the ball around, but he got out there and he started, as you know, he started to go down and the safeties pulled up. And then he, he recognized that. It was almost like you were in practice, you know, and the whistle blew and, and it was the end of a period. Uh, but the defender, I, if, I, if I'm a coach and I see that film, even if it wasn't my team, I'm going to use that as a copy to show, like, 
until he's down, you you lay him out. Mm. I mean, people, you know how it is when a quarterback's in the open field. It's like it's like every, a bunch of great white sharks trying to go get some chum. I mean, they're they're trying to not just bring him down. They wanna they wanna end his day. And so, you know, I I think after seeing that, the reaction I've heard from a lot of guys that play defense is, you know, the whole reason they got us pulling up is so these guys are going to go down. And now he pulls that. Uh uh, no more. You know that that kind of attitude. Why did so many people doubt Nick Saban this past weekend? (laughs) Well, because we've watched them play all year, and they haven't lived up to their their own standards. You know, and so I think a lot of us thought something's not quite right. Yeah, Bryce Young's a phenom. Jameson Williams a phenom. The offensive line has some major issues, not one week or two weeks, but all year they, they've had some concerns. And Bryce Young's athletic ability has kind of pulled him out where he's had to scramble to throw. And now they're playing Georgia, the one team that's been consistent all year defensively. Um, I think a lot of people just knew that Nick Saban's team, they never show up to a stadium as an underdog. You knew they'd have a chip on their shoulder. But was it going to be enough to beat that Georgia team that we've watched? Only team all year that's been consistent. You know, sometimes you let up and you survive a game. Georgia didn't have that. They, they were consistent all year long. So it was really more of not doubting Nick Saban, but the respect you have for Georgia. And then we were reminded pretty quickly that's still Nick Saban in his prime, standing on that sideline, still knows how to get his team ready to play in these big games. So um, we were all we, – I think we apologized on Sunday uh, for doubting him. <laughs> Cincinnati <laughs> – I, I think we, you, can count on, you can count on one hand how many times we've doubted him since 2008. Well, you were part of the rat poison. I was, yes. Yes, I'm, I'm usually part of the rat poison, giving him too much – uh, you know, respect and too, too many compliments. Isn't that amazing, though, Herbie, that yeah. Saban rails <laughs> on us if we say nice things about his team, and then he rails <laughs> on you when you don't say. So he's just using the media. Oh, for sure. Did, did a great Absolutely. job. He did. He knows, and I knew, I knew he was going to use that. And I knew, think about that Alabama roster. Every game they play, Coach is guarding against complacency. Literally every game they play, you know, he, the outside noise is Alabama's going to win, they're going to win, they're going to win. And finally, you, you saw them in the Iron Bowl. I mean, they, they very easily and should have lost that game to Auburn, who's not having a great year. It was a rivalry game. They're down 10 nothing, like eight minutes to go. If Tank Bigsby gets a first down, the game's over and they lose in, in the final minute of game. But he comes up a yard short, so Auburn has to punt. And Bryce Young in, ends up leading him on a, on a long, you know, 90, whatever it was, five-yard touchdown drive in a, really a Heisman moment for him. But that's how they looked the week before, almost stumbling around. And so it, it wasn't that far-fetched, but you just knew he would have the, nobody believes, nobody believes you can play with this Georgia team. And they showed up. They have not looked like that all year. And, of course, they save it for the biggest stage of the year. Talking to Kirk Herb Street, College Game Day will be at Army Navy MetLife Stadium this Saturday, 9 a.m. until noon. And uh, Herbie also part of the uh, college football playoff semis in the national title game, January 11th. Um, Cincinnati's chances better chance against Alabama or Georgia? Um, I think Cincinnati has a chance in this game because of the way they play defense. And I think if they played Georgia, they would 
probably have a little bit of a better chance just because of the how explosive Bryce Young and Jameson Williams can be in the passing game. John Mitchie, you probably, as you know, that number eight, he's out. You know, he's torn his ACL. He was such a, a great complement to the vertical stretch of, of what Williams could do downfield. He was always underneath on, on slants and little outside routes and just finding space. So you had to be worried about, about both of them because he was more yards after the catch. You take that away – Luke Fickle is a defensive-oriented-minded coach. He's got a veteran defense that went toe-to-toe with Georgia one year ago in, in their bowl game, and, and I think it gave him a lot of confidence coming into this year. Um, I, I think people that are, could name two players on the Cincinnati roster and probably think Cincinnati's going to get killed, I, I would be careful there. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't see that. I think Cincinnati, you know, Desmond Ritter, the quarterback's been around, played in a lot of big games. Um, they've got a running back in Jerome Ford who, who actually was, you know, played big-time football at Alabama before he transferred over. They, they, and they're going to show up. It's going to be the shoe's on the other foot. Going back to Alabama, always being complimented, oh, you're going to win by 20, no problem. And Cincinnati's going to show up with an attitude. Cincinnati's going to show up feeling disrespected. And uh, will it, again, be enough? We'll have to see. But I see that game being competitive um, more so than, than getting ugly. Is there a tactful way for these coaches to leave for one another job? Like, could Brian Kelly have done it differently that would have appeased more people? Yeah, I, I think um, the challenge I think people – don't understand is the the recruiting aspect of it and the timing of the recruiting. The early signing period is is a week from tomorrow. These athletic directors, you know, they're they're running a quote unquote tempo offense to try to make a good hire, to get a guy to a podium, win the press conference, and then literally walk out of that press conference and into a into a high school and start recruiting. And so there there is urgency on on <clears throat> excuse me the USC side or you know the Notre Dame side or the LSU side there's urgency to try to make a hire because you want to get the right guy and 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 try to salvage a recruiting class what what we always focus on is how does Brian Kelly leave his team like that how does Lincoln Riley leave his team like that so for me because I talk with a lot of these athletic directors and coaches kind of behind the scenes, um, you know, in the month, late latter part of November and in December. It's a little bit of a game because they want to be respectful of the coach trying to finish his season. And, and, you know, in Luke Fickle's case, he was so locked in on what his team was trying to do. I think ultimately he he could have had his choices of USC, uh, of LSU, of Notre Dame, potentially of Oklahoma. And he was so focused on what his team was doing he was letting Jimmy Sexton know, listen, man, I, I, I don't want to go there. I don't, I don't, well, you're going to miss out on this job. I, okay. I'm, I'm, and I really, in today's day and age, you got to really respect. He wasn't just a candidate. I mean, he was the front runner for every one of those jobs and he, and he just wanted to finish the race. So it cost him all these jobs because of the timing. Um, and, and how do you do it tactfully? I think you you finish your regular season. If you go to a conference championship, you know you have your agent or whoever talking to the AD, say how he's coming, let him get to the finish line. You get to the finish line. If you qualify for a, 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 a you know the, the playoff, you go do your press conference at your new school. You start to put the staff together behind the scenes. 
and then you go back and, and try to finish the playoff. Like that, that's what ideally I would love to see. You imagine if Notre Dame, if there were some upsets in front of them and somehow, some way, Notre Dame <clears throat> made the playoff, um, Marcus Freeman's first game as a head coach would have been <laughs> in a playoff yeah, no. because of what happened. So it's weird. I, I don't know if there's a, the, the perfect way to do it, um, but, but I think the recruiting aspect of it and trying to, like in Oklahoma's case, quit the – they were hemorrhaging, you know, losing recruits. Their brand was just getting, getting lapped by the day. They, they had to make a hire and, and do it quickly, and you know they eventually got their guy. But yeah, it's it's a it's very messy, uh, because, and I think because of the timing more than anything. Yeah, I wondered if Oklahoma was going to match. From what I was told, that Lincoln Riley wasn't going to go to LSU. LSU thought they had him. He went back to Oklahoma and said, "Hey, you want to match this?" And they said no. And then somebody caught wind of it with USC. They swoop in, and then all of a sudden they hire Lincoln Riley. Oklahoma going to regret not matching that LSU offer? Well, I, and I don't know if there's 100% truth to that. I, I mean, I, I'm really heavily involved with a lot of these guys and and the and the agents and ads. And I, I, you know, Mike Bond had the most time of it. Mike Bone had the most time of anybody. The the ad at USC, and I think he had kind of his A list of five or six guys from from work go, which was I can't remember when Clay Helton got let go. I mean, it was way 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 back. Yeah. And. He was he was swinging for the fences from the beginning behind behind closed doors, and I know that that uh, Lincoln was a name that that he was kind of on his dream list of of guys like Dabo and like huge names. And I think you know when exactly Lincoln found out is debatable and all that, and I'm not going to speculate. But I I think Oklahoma felt they did match. They they were the Sunday after the bedlam, they were doing everything they could with Joe uh, Castiglione and their president trying to say, hey, listen, listen, let us, let us try to do this. We'll get you this. We'll get you that. And from what I understand, it was more, it, nothing against Oklahoma and nothing against what they weren't doing and nothing against going eventually to the SEC. I think it was just a change. I think it was a new challenge going to LA and, and coaching at USC. I think it was just, it was more about what that had to offer than it was what's lacking at Oklahoma. So, uh, and then, you know, they went out and found a, a former assistant and coordinator at Brent Venables. And, you know, I think both sides end up in a good spot, but uh, of course we won't really know until we're three or four years down the road from now, but not all, not all of, them, all of them always work out. That's for sure. Herbie, great to talk to you. My best to the guys and uh, have fun this weekend yeah. with army and Navy. I thought of you when the flyers had that big win and anytime UD wins a big game, I think of you with, with hoops because I go back as a kid to Rosie Chapman and, and some of those teams that they had, you know, I was like in middle school and those, those UD teams. And I just fell in love at a young age, Don Donaher and then Miguel Knight and that group. I mean, yeah. UD's always been, always been a fun brand to watch and an easy team to pull for. So uh, that was a great win. Hopefully they have a, a, a big, a big year this year. Thank you, Herbie. Good to talk to you. Safe travels. Okay. You guys That's, have a uh, holiday. Take care, fellas. Kirk Kerbstreet.